Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Julia Raymond, Global Director of Research at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail, as she explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail, sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. All right, so welcome to the Rethink Retail show. Our guest today is Joshua Shabtai. He is the Senior Director of Ecosystem at Lowe's Innovation Labs, where he leads a global team responsible for articulating the future of home improvement retail and establishing strong, actionable partnerships with technology and cultural orgs of all sizes. Joshua, thanks for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. And I wanted to start out by asking about your background because I think it's pretty unique. You were in augmented video game design and then you founded your own company, a connected toy company. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what your journey has been like professionally? Yeah, sure. Personally, you know, just as, as a human being, I've always been obsessed with fantasy, right? And and storytelling and immersing people in worlds that are you know, just completely unique and that take them out of the day-to-day, you know, of, of, of where they are. Um, and, you know, over my career, I was lucky to translate that initially into a marketing career. I worked in public relations and as a creative director in advertising where the focus of much of the work was creating unique cultures. So with clients like Geek Squad and things like that, creating these narratives that blurred the lines between what was sort of a fiction and what was real, you know, in terms of the lives of the employees and, and things like that. And so my love of those things actually steered me towards, you know, exploring game design, just launching independent alternate reality games um, mm-hmm. that were real lightweight, low tech, but would help get people to think about the world a, a little bit differently. Through all of this exploration and just looking for more opportunities, I ended up working my way into building an augmented reality Star Wars game for the iPhone to let you turn your home office or, you know, your external space into a battleground for having TIE fighters fly around and, you know, just recalibrate your, your understanding space. As I worked through a lot of these variants of storytelling through games, through connected toys, one of the things I realized, you know, I was missing as a game designer was I really do enjoy telling stories about the future and enjoy creating experiences that can help drive a different understanding of the future. But what I I really wanted to be able to do was create compelling stories that could actually come to life in the real world at scale and affect millions of people. And I really, over the last few years, just became personally interested in how can we create a technology-infused culture and future that will create many jobs and create economic opportunities. So a few years ago, you know, I heard from the folks at Lowe's Innovation Labs, and they built a really interesting practice that was focused on using storytelling techniques to generate a picture of the future that would be valuable and desirable for millions and millions of customers, whether they're people, you know, who live in a home or whether they're professionals who make it their business to help work on homes, remodel, repair, as well as to hundreds of thousands of employees that work across those stores altogether. And I was really fascinated by this science fiction narrative-driven storytelling approach that was designed to basically lead to testable 
technology experiences that the idea was we're going to try to bring these stories to life for millions of people at scale. I'll give you a quick rundown on who Lowe's Innovation Labs, what we're all about. So we are the innovation center for Lowe's companies. We're part of the technology organization. We explore a variety of emerging and exponential technologies. So spatial computing, mixed reality, robotics, new methods of manufacturing, a variety of other things that maybe just aren't being even considered for retail. So we have a wide purview. And through that lens, we do two things. One, we accelerate experiences that customers expect today. And on the other hand, we develop entirely new capabilities that they may not even expect that we think will transform the face of home improvement retail. So I mentioned this sort of narrative-driven approach, right? Mm -hmm. And what we do is we look at our customers' deepest pain points we look at cultural trends, we look at technologies that are increasing in capability and performance and scale to start projecting futures that we want to build when it comes to these new capabilities. And those usually take the form of themes, right? And so one of the futures, one of these narratives that we've been really interested in building out is what we call the democratization of expertise, right? And the idea there is home improvement, you know, is really complex. You could spend a lot of time learning just how to fix one part of your home and you'd be scratching the surface even after hundreds of hours of study. I mean, it's a really, really complex process. And Lowe's sits in a weird way. We sit at sort of the epicenter of expertise in all this. You know, when you think about the millions of customers that come through the Lowe's system every week, you've got people who have been working, yeah, I mean, with very specialized trade knowledge. So we look at it as, okay, we are really this excellent hub for all this expertise. And in some ways, we help our DIY and do it for me customers. We help arm them with the know-how to either do it themselves or know how to have a good, you know, meaningful conversation with the pro. So one of our futures that we've been looking to do is how do we unlock the expertise that is concentrated amongst the select few and open it up in radical new ways? So democratization of expertise, we're looking at how can we unlock this in, in new ways, right? Spatial computing and mixed reality are one sort of one vector that we think can play a really interesting role. And is that for training or how is the application directly help democratize the expertise for training of anyone? So, so there's lots of different ways. I'll, I'll give you two examples. One, as you mentioned, training, the ability to immerse someone in a very lightweight way in a full experience and let them build muscle memory and let them have a real experience to basically transfer that knowledge is huge. And we've done quite a bit of testing in that world. And we think that is a way where you can shorten the window in terms of conferring trade skills and empathetic soft skills to someone in minutes versus days versus weeks, right? And the retention. Wow. Is yeah. big. But the other example, and there are plenty more, believe me, is connection and connecting people via telepresence in a much different way. And so there is a you know segment of the population that has tons of knowledge. If only they could get into your home they could tell you why your toilet exploded instantly or like, I hope my toilet doesn't explode. Yeah, I know. Well, especially during these times, it's, <laughs> it's never good. Um, but, or, you know, to look at and help you understand what new countertops or flooring could really work in the kitchen that you have, right? They might not be able to get there with some of these new technologies. We might actually be able to close the gap, provide new tools that enable the pro on the other side, regardless of where they are in the world or how mobile they are to be there with the customer. Almost like an advisor. So just your design advisor or your some sort of trade, like you said, electrician, 
Well, I don't know about electric. I don't know if we're going to be doing our own electric fixes around the house, but it's not just, I mean, it's not just as an advisor, right? And there is a place for diagnostics. So even, you know, in the case of an electrician, oftentimes you come to someone's home, you know, you need to suss out what the problem is. Sometimes you don't have the right parts with you, you know, or sometimes you, you're like, okay, I've assessed what needs to be done. I'll come back. Let's schedule a follow-up for a week or whatever. Now you can actually offload some of the diagnostics. So, so it isn't just advising. It's just, I mean, there's some of that advice, but it's helping triage and diagnose uh, faster. But those are just two examples, right, of how we look to democratize expertise and how augmented mixed reality, spatial computing technologies can start to bring people together in new ways. Well, I wanted to ask you because you've seen both sides of the coin. So you're working at Lowe's Innovation Labs and, you know, Lowe's is a $70 billion corporation. It's huge. But you've also been on the other side where you've been innovating in a startup capacity. And one of our past guests, Eric Toda, he founded Hill City at Gap. He's now with Facebook on their global team. And he said of challenger brands, if I'm a startup and I have a great product, I'm looking at how I disrupt my own industry. If I'm a legacy brand, I'm saying to myself, I can't let this startup disrupt me. I need to disrupt myself. So how do you see the similarities and differences from innovating with Lowe's versus when you were doing your startup thing and and all of that? Yeah, well... I will say, you know, I've been with with Lowe's for about four years now. I mean, obviously, I, I have to say good things, right? But I can't say enough good things about working here. There is such a strong customer focus. Like, everything is laser focused on how are we helping serve our customers? How are we helping serve the people who are on the front lines serving our customers, right? And on some level, I think that laser focus effectively trumps legacy thinking, if that makes sense. Because if something's not working or could work much better to serve that customer, it's our obligation to pursue it. It's our role to be specifically focused on looking at what are the ways we can serve our customers that might live outside of what they expect today from home improvement retail. So is that about delighting them and surprising them? Or is that just finding the value they didn't even know they needed? You know, look, you always want to delight your customers for sure. I am always personally in favor of, can we surprise them? Can we deliver something that meets their needs in a way they didn't expect? Because I think you'll always build deeper relationships that way. Some surprises aren't that great though. You know, like it just depends what the, it depends what the surprise is. But what I'll say is we try to keep nothing sacred in terms of identifying better ways to meet our customers' needs, right? And I'll give you an example. And this is a product we just launched that is in of itself a product of our exploration into the democratization of expertise and our use of mixed reality platforms to, to do that. So we launched something a couple months ago. I, I lose track of days, I think, in, in this called Lowe's for Pros job site. And it's an augmented video chat tool that is basically accessible to anyone with a, you know, with a smartphone, no app download needed, it's web-based, that lets pros conduct remote home visits, but with a series of tools that almost makes it like they were there, right? So not only can they see what they what you see through your camera, which is sort of par for the course, but there's computer vision elements that can let them read the serial number of an appliance. So they can actually start wow, okay. to do on the fly and really understand what they're looking at. There are annotation tools, there are 3D objects they can place in the homeowner space to guide them through a thing, right? So th- this is one of those examples where if you asked people prior to COVID, you know, or any of these things, and you said, hey, 
can you imagine someone can conduct a full home visit and diagnose the problem and, and tell you without ever having to come to your home? Do you think that's possible? And you'll get from some people, yeah, I think so, but it need to be this. And like now we're getting into a scenario where I think people are really clamoring for those kinds of solutions. You know what I mean? And so we look for those kinds of opportunities to rethink and, and say, look, if we can rethink. deliver, yeah, well, really, yeah, there we go. Pun intended. Uh, but we're looking for ways to basically just deliver on what customers need. Now, I have a question because you've been working on this, I'm assuming, and you were developing this really cool solution for small businesses. Were you working on this before the pandemic and it was just great timing? Or was this something that you picked up right when COVID started? This thread of work around democratization of expertise and exploring these platforms, I mean, we've been working in for years. And, and we've been working across every platform. So every headset you can imagine, every operating system, and the learnings along the way got us to a place where we said, look, if we can start identifying web-based, simple to use at the moment, mobile tools that can enable real meaningful collaboration, we're going to have a winning thing. And so a couple of years ago, we actually established a relationship with a startup out of Portland, Oregon called Stream. And yeah, we've been working with them for a few years. And did that help the Lowe's or Pro's job site? That's all part of it? Yeah. So this was not being built as a reactive thing. It was being built as a, this is a capability we think people are going to want in the future when things happened. So we serve a variety of customers, right? Not just the folks who are do-it-yourselfers or do-it-for-me. We serve the problem. And a big part of you know what we've seen over the past few months is your average customer may not be as comfortable having someone they don't know come to their home. But right. sometimes you've got to have someone come to your home. If your toilet explodes, like we're joking about it, you need someone. And so part of this was, this might be the perfect tool to put our pros back to work. I think the coolest part about the Lowe's for Pros job site is that most businesses, even if they are somewhat large, wouldn't have the capital or the talent to quickly roll out something like this. I mean, in-house. You guys have been working on this for years. So for you, it's something you're really offering a lot of value to, especially the small to mid-sized businesses. And I will say it's it's a truly cross-functional, I mean, the, this kind of project doesn't just happen with an innovation lab building it. It really was this collaborative effort amongst a variety of teams to deliver something at scale. That's another question I have for you, because are you guys, do you feel like you're at arm's length and there's benefits to that in terms of how you operate as an innovation lab outside of Lowe's or is it super integrated? That's a great question. Challenges that most innovation groups encounter at one point or another, right, is are we focused enough on meaningful problems to the business are we focused enough on the future? How do we resolve that tension? How do we make sure our work not only gets recognized internally, but is actually on a path to being adopted? You know, you don't want to just be an R&D lab that never ships anything at, you know, at scale. So what I'll say is, you know, we're a standalone unit to protect some of the far future thinking, right? So that we have a space and not just far future thinking, but trying to connect dots across a variety of parts throughout the business that perhaps one business owner might not be incentivized to do, right? And so right. we have the benefit of that. Two principles that guide everything we do, accountability and transparency. And oftentimes, I think one of the challenges that innovation centers have is they're separate and mm -hmm. they forget to actually put telegraph lines in to help let folks know what they're doing and get feedback 
along the right. way. We are very intentional and disciplined. Many, if not all of our major projects have VP sponsorship, with the business owner. We also work with our executive team to just make sure there is an extreme degree of transparency in what we're working on and why, whether it has applications today or further uh, into the future. The other thing I think that keeps us honest is we're called Lowe's Innovation Labs, plural, because there's three distinct units, three distinct labs. So my group ecosystem is the, the unit that is focused on outside in, insights, development, all those kinds of things. We build partnerships with a variety of different size companies. I think like you mentioned in the beginning, in fact, the Lowe's Repros job site came out of building strong relationships, you know, including with Stream. We also have a creative technology lab, which is a, an applied R&D unit that they are exploring a variety of far field technologies, use cases. I mean, there's some real- When you say far field, what are we talking? Um, well, you know, let's think about like how reality gets captured in the future, right? Like- and how we capture the data all around us and then how we use it to create a ne- you know, next level experiences. Then we've got a development lab, which is one part product management and one part core engineering. And that group is really focused. There's sort of the fulcrum on which much of the work lies, right? They are the most direct line back and forth into the business. They will manage an overall roadmap from POC all the way to pilot to production. So they bring the ideas to life. We all do. They are making, they're keeping the trains running on time and making sure there's connectivity to the business, right? So really what brings the ideas to life, and this to me is one of the things I think is special about Lowe's Innovation Labs, and I think it's transferable, is these three labs actually create a system of checks and balances. There's sort of a natural tension. And what happens is when any idea comes in, whether it comes in as a request from someone or it comes in as a request for me because we found some partners we've got to do something with, or the creative technology team has invented something we just need to work with. The creative tension and differing points of view amongst the teams leads us to make sure we balance both what does the business need and how do we go outside of uh, current boundaries. And, and I highly recommend any innovation unit to create systems that offset one another and create that uh, healthy creative tension. Sure. I love how you explain that because I think the healthy tension that you mention is probably what makes the best ideas and what makes any innovation lab successful, right? So you're not just chasing the next shiny object. It's really about the real life application, the feasibility, the from the design and the artist's perspectives. I mean, there's so many moving parts. And really staying focused on what is going to be valuable to the customer. You called it sort of the shiny object syndrome, it's very easy to get distracted. And we keep each other honest and very focused on, you know, what is going to be meaningful for customers like now and well into the future. And because we're talking about the future and no one could have predicted the COVID-19 pandemic, is there specific ways you're thinking differently now because of COVID when you think about innovation or is everything sort of status quo because we know the pandemic will eventually end? I'd say neither. <laughs> I'd say neither of those. So. That's an answer too. Look, when we build narratives that guide the kinds of work that we want to do, we spend, I mean, look, we spend a lot of time and we stress test them. And what I would say, part of a narrative-driven process for innovation, like it goes back to, you know, the oral storytelling tradition, which is you tell a story, you, you get feedback, you see rea- reactions and responses in real time. You adjust your story. Your story is like, it never 
ends in terms of it's being refined and, and created, right? And we very much, you know, follow the same approach where we spend a lot of time crafting stories that are rooted in core customer needs, not even customer needs in the here and now, but customer needs over a really long period of time, right? And we look at fundamental like human psychology um, and really think like, what are the things people need to feel like they have agency over their own lives and their homes and stuff like that? So we spend a lot of time regardless of if something profoundly disruptive happens. In fact, we operate under the assumption that there are going to be profoundly disruptive technological changes, economic changes, you know, environmental changes that are going to make these solutions at sooner or later. You know, whether it's sooner or later, we don't know. You know, otherwise we'd probably all be like meteorologists or something. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, you know, but none of the narratives or stories that we've crafted have changed as a result of this. How quickly we implement and customer readiness for some of the things that we've been working on for a while. There may be more readiness, right, for some of those remote solutions and things like that than we imagine, which is great. Sure. Um, but yeah, we, we don't see much changing radically outside of the changes we think are coming are just accelerating. Mm -hmm. I can see the acceleration. And I'm excited to see how some of these digital solutions help with the whole contactless movement. And because when I think about AR and VR in retail applications, one of the coolest ones I've seen is Decathlon. So big sports retailer based in Europe, they have a tent demo. So you can put on the HTC Vive headset and then virtually try out the different tents they have. That's a super specific use case, but it was really cool. And I know Target, their app, you can look at the different decor items in your house. How do you go about thinking about the use cases as a retailer and, and determine what adds value and where to innovate? Yeah. I mean, a big part of the testing process is casting a wide net and really trying to hone in on what those applications are. And in some cases saying, trying to separate the value and appreciation of the experience and application from the technology that you're delivering it in today, knowing that it'll change you know, over time. So how to know where to go, it's really a lot of testing and, and, and refining. But as we started to get user feedback and started to understand the sense of, wow, I felt like I lived in that kitchen. I was like getting a better sense. Those are the things that started to click over and say, okay, this validates that we should be trying. If someone feels like they're living in a space, we can probably immerse an associate in a customer's home to understand more about their customer and, and train them in new ways or train folks in the actual, not just here are a series of tools, you know, we're going to tell you what it might be like to tile a bathroom. We can actually put you in the lived in situation of being inside of a shower stall and you're actually tiling it in this space. So sometimes the indirect learnings from other applications push us to double down on, on completely different use cases. Very cool. What's the engine that runs like Fortnite and a lot of the VR graphics? Oh, like, like Epic's Unreal. And uh, Unreal. So I heard recently that they pushed out their newest release and the level of realism in AR and VR is increasing so much every year. What is your vision for that application five years from now? Um, yeah, I mean, that's another like, oh, I told you what our vision was. Um, where we're at in terms of spatial computing, I don't know if this is a perfect analogy, but I think we believe that there is a future 
in which the confluence of technologies that are embedded within your home, that sit in your ears, that are on your body in new ways, that touch your eyes in some way, those we think will come together to transform what retail looks like, what home care looks like, what, you know, what all those things. I think right now, you know, we're, we're still in the early days for what this technology looks like. And, and on some level, I'm like, you know, you think about it, it took decades from the car phone, all the, way <laughs> yeah. the iPhone, which sort of ended up cracking the code on what a handheld device could be and what it could enable. I think we're still probably more akin to like a Symbian phone, you know, a Symbian based smartphone where we've got a lot of the functions that are like, make your life a little bit easier, but a lot of the clunkiness that makes it not easy to, you know, sort of embed. And I think there's a lot of work to do because we're not really just talking about one platform or one piece of software, right. one operating yeah. system. This is more like a, a, a decentralized environment with all the different platforms. Yeah. yeah. So the vision is more for the customer application that we can really make their home improvement experience much better. And we can arm pros with tools that can completely transform how they do work, how they deliver work and create new economic opportunity. Absolutely. Well, the last question I wanted to ask you is what advice would you give retailers who are looking to innovate? And it's a really broad question. I mean, if you want to talk to the specific size of the retailer, that's fine. But I'm just thinking, broadly speaking. Well, I'll say this. I'm just going to like start with a shameless plug. If you're a technologist and you really want to build some special stuff, I mean, we're hiring thousands of new technologists at Lowe's. And I mean, jobs.lowe's.com, like we are looking for talent across the, the spectrum. So I would say that. That's my advice. Like, if you want to, please come, <laughs> come, come work for Lowe's. Yeah. Really. I mean, I think secondly, I feel like a narrative driven approach to how you conceive of work and how you execute it is a really powerful one, especially because we're often talking about concepts that have some ambiguity with them. Mm-hmm. And a well told story can ground people in the emotional stakes. It makes sure they're not focusing on the technology as much as a human specific customer or specific associate to, you know, really guide what they're driving. Excellent. Well, Joshua Shabtai from Lowe's Innovation Lab, thank you so much for joining today. I learned a lot and really appreciated you coming on the show. All right. Thanks for having me. This is great. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries.com.